tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink. Good morning, Swarm, and welcome to Tim Fall Hat. You know I am, you know I'm here to do. I'm here to rock. Joining me as always, my good friend, partner in crime. Johnny, not Jay Nice, Johnny Woodard. How are you, buddy? I'm okay, man. I'm okay. Uh, so for some of you might not know, Johnny Woodard is surviving COVID. Uh, how's it going? You look really good, dude. Survivor. You look really good uh, for somebody who's got the plague. Survivor. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've just been I'm quarantining, so it sucks. But I think I got it, that damn dog. And did you take a horse dewormer? Uh, I did. I took a horse paste. Yeah, dude. Yeah, how's horse paste? horse paste? Got it right here. Oh, let's see it. Ooh, ooh, you could sell that shit on the streets, bro. People yeah, looking for that action. I know. I'm saving it in case somebody I know around me gets gets sick. Uh, you I, know, I, I don't want to give anybody medical advice, but it didn't. I didn't grow like horse nipples or anything like that. And I every time I took it, I was better 12 hours later. So whatever, you know. And I never had severe symptoms or anything. It was a very mild course of the virus, but uh, yeah. Johnny, I'm happy you got it, dude. It's like smallpox. Just get it over with, dude. Well, you get see, I, I would agree with that if it was my dad, who's that, probably the healthiest person I know that's his age. You know, he's, he's like 60-something, early 60s. It, he thought he was going to die. Like, I, you know. And, it is, it's interesting how it gets some, it doesn't get other people. I know. I know. He's it's crazy, dude. Guys, as you know, uh, Xavier Guerrero is not with us right now. Uh, supposedly his uh, his uh, his wife. Uh, dude, it just gave out. Yeah, his Internet gave out. <laughs> yeah, you'll see him on the show uh, falling asleep. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, uh, Xavier falling asleep on the show. What do we call that? Par for the course. I think that's just another that. I think episode. They should add that to that bingo sheet that they made on, you know, the things you say. Uh, actually taking a little nap taking a little nap so uh xavier couldn't join us right now a lot of great things going out the show the 500th episode we are selling tickets we're going to be sold out sooner or later so i hope you can join us grab your tickets now just go to sam we have uh a lot of people might not know this eddie bravo's in both shows he's in the first show and the second show just go to yeah there it is the big tinfoil hat uh, it's the 500 episode. Once tickets are sold out, they are sold out. Guys, if you want to see me, Eddie Bravo, and Sleepy Xavier Guerrero, Sleepy Johnny, also, man, this really works out for you that you don't have to do your stand-up that you said you are going to do this week. Now you don't have to go up and do stand-up because you don't want to give everybody COVID. Ah, your evil plan works. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gave myself Look COVID, at you. Yeah. Guy looks like he's lost weight. He's bow flex shredded now. I'm but so he's, sorry. oh, I can't make the show but if you want to see myself and a couple others go uh we're going to be at huntington beach this thursday night at 7 p.m i don't know why we're doing 7 p.m shows but we're doing 7 p.m show then we're in kansas city the next night and then we are in omaha nebraska we're at the waiting room 
come get weird. All right. Those are great tickets. Man, you, got, you, want- you, you got some travel on your hands, huh? Three nights, three cities. Wow. Yeah. I, 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 dude, you know, I'm a gold member, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about that on Broken Simulation. Check that out. And Johnny, I'm, I hate saying this because everyone's going to do it. Dude, pre-check is the best. It is yeah. the best. But you're and you're just okay letting them give you the rectal probe like that. Know everything about they already. They know already know like. everything about me, dude. I considered it. Well, you did. Clear. I'm shady as shit. They know that. Did you do TSA pre-check or clear? Which one? TSA. TSA. And dude, I bet you they go listen. This guy's a weirdo and talks mad shit about the government. But if there's some terrorist on the plane, he's gonna fight them. Yeah, so he's got Krav Maga. So he's taking Krav Maga for a couple of weeks. So he's gonna if if anything hits, he know we know he's gonna fight. So let him through. If there's as- anything you say about me, I'm patriotic. Okay. So at the end of the day, as shady as I am, I'm a patriotic dude. As long as got- his back's not sore. Uh, yeah, Sam, well, Sam's oh, got a sore back from Krav Maga. Well, I dude, I felt it. I was learning how to fight knives. And boom, my back just, but did I quit? No, I kept fighting. Good. And I'm probably going to pay the price for it tomorrow. Good for you. But uh, yeah, so that's it. Guys, it's a great way to support the show, man. Great way to support the show is go to rockfin.com slash hat slash zero slash, what is it? Broken Sim slash uh, Conspiracy Social Club. And, you know, hey, Xavier's not here. He can't push his. But just know... Uh, there is a lot of for ten dollars you get all those shows, yeah, all those shows. Plus everybody who else is on the show: Whitney Webb, Jason Burmese, everybody on the Union of the Unwanted's on there. I mean, dude, you're spending ten dollars for what you think Netflix is. Rockfin really is all the content you could ever want for ten dollars, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm pissed. I think it should be forty dollars. Damn, Johnny. That's too much content. <laughs> that, dude, it really is too. You never have to watch any more of this MK Ultra uh, cultural Marxism entertainment when you have high quality content on Rockfin. I don't know anyone who joined Rockfin that regrets it. It's all great. And it's only two years old. It's only going to get better. So go check it out. Yeah, go check it out. Dude, Just mainstream, go see- mainstream media was so bad on this 9-11 anniversary. Everything was bad. It's bad. It's just bad. It's all bad garbage. Unbearable. Dude, have you seen any clips from the VMAs? It's literally like, I mean, it's like the most untalented hacks everywhere. This chick turned a chair into a hat and she's like, I'm, I'm being edgy. You're like, you look stupid. Yeah, well, the, the, the thing I saw, they had this tells you just how celebrity obsessed our culture is. They had a thing called Stan Cam, and it was just a, a camera that the whole time, if you wanted to watch it on this channel or whatever, you could just look at the the celebrities in the audience, and it was just like stuck on Chloe or Courtney or whatever, and Travis Barker for half of it. Like, oh look, she's talking to the person in the row behind her. Wow, that's all it was. The whole thing, so gross. I'm, I, yeah, dude, I, I'm just. But dude, it's like nobody cares about MTV. It's the weirdest. Um, thing ever it's like being invited to like the last year of the playboy match you're like well, great things happen they, here at they one point show music videos anymore why are they having the vmas it's literally the ridiculousness channel ridiculousness and then catfish like 15 percent, and that's it yeah, it's just garbage dude it's just it's just low frequency crap so if you don't want to watch that and you're struggling to find stuff that doesn't pollute your brain 
go to Rockfin, rockfin.com, R-O-K-F-I-N.com. If you also want to support the show, please go to tinfoilhattshirts.com. We got a bunch of new ones coming out, trying to get some new ones out there for you. We'll see what happens. Uh, but if you want to support the show, great way. Again, we have, very, we have a limited uh, a Brexit the Chicken Snake God. Shapeshifting Jesus is doing well. I Killed Epstein, still popular. That, that shirt is limited edition, and we're almost sold out. So check it out. Johnny, did I forget? Look at that, Johnny. Look at that. That's a man right there. That's two men, right? There's three guys right I, I there. Love, they look really at, got XG's face that face he makes yeah, on Instagram. Yeah, and he's perfect. really, like, looks like he's sleeping, doesn't he? He's almost <laughs> sleeping in the picture. <laughs> I look like I'm just, I'm like, I hate my life. I don't like being a foot of the chicken snake God. Uh, you really don't do. Uh, so that's it, man. Anything else, Johnny? That's it. No. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do another broken sim tomorrow. You know, we had to take a few days off because of yeah. Cause Johnny got AIDS. COVID. So yeah. Johnny beat AIDS and now we're back guys. Uh, this is a great episode. You're going to love it. Dude, this great. guy, and Gary Wayne comes end, dude. Cause it, it, he, when we get toward the end, he starts bringing that fire yeah and, heaven, and dude we're gonna have to heaven. bring him back to talk about all this stuff because yeah. it's truly crazy uh it's a great episode just, i hope I, you i just want to tease one thing what were they called what were those things called and were talking about the, <laughs> the ugly ones the ugly ones yeah yeah he's talking they, about the, uh, the, the ugly ones and they like to do sexually perverse stuff just to let you know what you get into yeah. gary wayne comes drop the hammer of the gods on us enjoy the show All right, let's get into it, boys and girls. We have a fun show for you, man. I'm very excited. Our uh, next guest, he is a he he is a he's he's had a love affair with biblical prophecy, history, mythology, and I'm very excited to talk to this guy because I'm really into talking about scripture and the books and what they represent. I'm very excited to have him on. Please welcome Gary Wayne. How are you, Gary? Doing very, very well and so happy to be with you today and uh, looking forward to the discussion. Gary, for our listeners who uh, aren't familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm a Christian contrarian and uh, people aren't sure what that means. What that means to me is I don't believe what somebody tells me or what somebody says something is written. I like to verify everything myself. So I'm one of those contrarians that like to do the extra legwork to understand why I, I believe something so that I can back it up. And I think you ought to be able to back things up. So I am a just your average kind of guy. I don't have a university education. Uh, I did not take uh, a writing course, uh, but I have a, a 12 or 15 books sort of in my head that I want to write, and I got two more on the go. So I have a passion for history and I have a passion for mythology. And many years ago, I was challenged to read a book by Hal Lindsey called The Late Great Planet Earth, which kind of scared the socks off me, which got me into researching the Bible and checking out to see whether or not Hal was being accurate in his application of scripture. And I found for the most part, I, you know, I pretty much agreed with what he was saying, but I needed to know more. So I've been on almost a 40 year journey of research to connect the dots on how what is written in the Bible 
is sort of told in a parallel, but more of a polytheist sense in other cultures and religions and legends around the world and by secular historians. So that's kind of who I am. And I just continue to do research. And so I'm a Christian by, by, by my bias, but I, I talk to a lot of audiences about what's in the Bible because I can connect it to what's in all of these other really juicy sort of legends and things that most people are familiar with, but don't really understand. So I give a little bit of context to that. Guys, today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the most comprehensive daily nutritional beverage I've ever tried. And I drink it every day. With so many stressors in life, it's difficult to maintain effective nutritional habits and give our body the nutrients it needs to thrive. Busy schedule, poor sleep, exercise, you name it. it they're just like, it's, it's a, a problem on top of problem, man. But you know what? That's where Athletic Green comes in, okay? Their daily all-in-one superfood powder is your nutritional essential, okay? It's by far the easiest, most delicious habit that you can add to your health routine today and empower your all yourself to take over your health, okay? One tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, including multivitamins, multi-mineral, probiotic, green superfood blends, and more. That all work together to fill in the gaps in your diet, increase your energy, focus, aid, and digestion, and support a healthy immune system, okay? So, guys, I mean, I've been taking uh, athletic roots forever, but, man, they just brought, sent me this new box. This is what you're getting, man, when you order new- order athletic greens. Nice little cool box, and then, bam, look at this. Athletic greens slash, you know, a fun towel, if you know what I'm talking about. Socks, again, fun towel. But look at this, dude. Look at that, wow. dude. Look at that. Even this a bottle a- to, to drink it out of. That's amazing. Yeah, a bottle to drink up. And here's where you keep your your uh, your athletic greens in. You scoop it out. Oh. And, man, it comes in this gorgeous box. And it's great, dude. I, I, love, I have I love it. packaging, by the way. Quality packaging, nothing gets me harder. Than but, dude, I, I mean, dude, it is really good shit. I do it every – I swear to God, I do it every yeah, day. I, I will confess I've heard Sam say that off the air uh, on a number of occasions that he, he is – Like, dude, I put – I use – when I use a proc, I tell you about it, and I really love it. So this is what's going on. Athletic Greens is doubling down on, on supporting your immune system during these – Entering the fall months, man, they're offering audience a free one-year supply of vitamin D. Yeah, and five chewing those things, baby. Gotta get really. You've been chewing some D, bro. That's great, brother. I love that you chew D, dude. I love it. And five free travel packets with your first purchase if you visit my link today. You're basically never have to worry about vitamin D again. So whether you're looking for peak performance or better health. Covering your bases with Athletic Greens makes investing your energy, immunity, and gut health each day simple, tasty, and efficient. So this is all you got to do. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash tinfoil and join health experts, athletes, and health-conscious go-getters around the world to make a daily commitment to their health every day. Again, athleticgreens.com slash tinfoil for a free supply of a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packets enjoy it i love this conversation man i really do i I mean this is the giant question like what is the truth when it comes to religion uh and and how do we 
accept it as truth, man. I think this is a great, great discussion. I mean, in so much of what you're talking about right now, your 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 desire to question everything, even when it comes to uh, religion and, and uh, who we are, where we are, and who made us, uh, is wonderful, and it's very, very applicable to to today because. I mean, we are getting bombarded with information from both sides. I call it nonlinear warfare. It's done pur- purposefully. How do you know what is real? How do you know what's not real? And that is truly the, the, the mission is to find to the best of your ability what is truly going on. And they are trying their most to just to mess it all up. So you can't tell what's going on. And that is in 1984. The book, they talk about how they put out, you know, misinformation purposely so you don't know if you're coming or going. And I think that has a lot to do with religion as well. And, you know, we live in a world of, quote, unquote, science. Science has become very, very, very uh, religious, the way people follow it with just blind faith and not ask questions. And we kind of look back at, like, you just look at how people treat Scientists today, it kind of looks exactly like how people treated holy men back in the day. And I think it's very healthy to ask real questions. And I don't know, and this is a great question for you. I don't know how we could tell what is the truth. And so, so as you did your research, how are you able to decipher if you're on the right path or if this is some purposeful misinformation in what you're looking at? Well, that's a really good question. And, you know, with all of the interviews that I have done over the last four or five years, that one hasn't been asked. So I really appreciate that question. So how do you know you're on the right track with all the information that's out there? And I look for consistency. And even though there are many sources to all of the kinds of accounts that go on in prehistory, in particular, if you're talking to giants or pyramids or little people or whatever, a lot of the things in, in that kind of genre, there is consistency in the basis of the story. It's just the lens that is being looked at as, as they're telling the story or as they're recording the story. So if you're t- talking about giants, um, which the book is all about and sort of goes into a thousand other different directions to connect things in, you have this story in Genesis uh, 6, 1 through 4, where you have the sons of God, which are angels as they're recorded in, in Job uh, 1, 2, and uh, 38, um, and elsewhere. But those are the, the, the main ones. They go to human females, and they create giants. And giants in the King James Bible goes back to the Hebrew word nephil, and the I am is the male plural, and it's defined as a tribe of giants. So, okay, so we have that. And that's controversial even within the church. Um, but let's get outside of that. Now, how would I verify is that similar to what's going on elsewhere? So if I go over for an easy example, I go over to Poseidon and the Atlantis story, because everybody's familiar with that. And so Poseidon takes a human female climbing and produces 10 giant demigod kings. And it's, a, it's the exact same story. You've got a god or a fallen angel that's going to a human female. And then you look at the word demigod in its ancient definition, and it means the offspring of a human female and a god. 
So the consistency of that story is told over and over and over around the world, just that they don't use the word angels, they're generally using the word God. So whether or not you go over to uh, the Egyptian pantheon with uh, um, gods like Anubis or Osiris and Isis, they're producing demigod offsprings as well. Or if you go over to the Sumerian pantheon with the Anunnaki, they're doing the same thing. It's the same story. And you can go to Southeast Asia, you can go to China, you can go to Japan, you can go to the Kishimaya. And again, they're going to tell the same story about the same super beings creating these giant offspring. And then if you even get outside of that and go into the, the ancient alien mythos, they tell the different story. They just don't call these beings gods or angels. They call them aliens, but they're creating several different kinds of races through similar types of processes. So it's a consistency factor. I know that was a bit of a long rant. but No, 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 dude. I'm all about that. I'm all about, I don't know. Everybody wants earth ass. That's what I'm discovering through all these stories. Everyone's, everyone wants to bang human chicks. It's just a story I've talked about it in my act. I see it all the time. Uh, it's such an interesting thing. And I want to get into giants because I love the topic of giants. But if you don't mind for a second, because it says that you've uh, studied extensively the Holy Bible, the Gnostic scriptures, the Quran, the Bhagavad Gita, and all these other books. So I've always talked about on this show about how, and I'd love, Gary, to hear your opinion on this, how I'll, I'll at some point, a book is introduced to these religions out of nowhere that somehow changes the direction of these religions. And, you know, I had a, I had a guest on that told me that the Quran that's kind of filed now isn't the, the, the original Quran. And then I had a guest come on and tell me that the Bhagavad Gita that people are, are reading right now isn't the original Bhagavad Gita and that there are enough little changes to go, why are these books different? When we look at the, whole, the Holy Bible, you know, why are there something that like, uh, and this comes down to how do I know this is real or how do I know this is fake story? But supposedly... There were stories left out of this Bible. And we go, why are these people the story that I'm, I was told, that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, why did these people who worship the sun, the Ra gods, put together this Bible and leave out certain stories? So my question to you is, is any of that true? Are any of these 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 holy books that people, I mean, and obviously we talk about in, in Judaism, you have the Torah and now you have the Talmud, right? Which is kind of takes Judaism in a different direction than what the original book did. So what, what are your thoughts on all that? Well, again, it's one of those really good questions because you have not only religions based on a set of scriptures, but then you have a lot of arguments as opposed to proof that says that they were changed or they don't include all of the books. Some of that might be true and some of it is true and some of it isn't true. So it's really hard to sort of wade through that. So if you talk about the Bible as a, an example, you have the books that were set forth by the Jewish people, but not the hagiographa that was also in use. So there's, it's missing books. There's about 70 scrolls or 70 books that are missing from the Old Testament that weren't considered 
quite proper even by the Jewish people. So I think it goes back to how old of the manuscript and the veracity that they have for that. And then when it comes to the New Testament, I mean, that was quite arbitrary how that was put together at the Council of Nicaea in terms of what was being put in into the Bible. And so there was a lot of books that perhaps maybe should be in there, uh, but weren't. And then you have the famous book of Enoch. I understand why that's not in the Bible, because we they, they didn't have a original Hebrew manuscript. Uh, so that gets to be, for the Old Testament, one of the significant bases for does it go into Apocrypha or does it go in, into the canon? But the New Testament was done in a little bit sort of different flavor. I'm not familiar with the Quran not being the original. Um, I've got no evidence to be able to suggest on that. But when you get into the Vedas or the Upanishads or all the different holy books of the subcontinent of India, again, they only have records that go back uh, you know, to 1000 BC or 2000 BC, but the records indicate that they are like five or 6,000 years old. And so what we don't get is a chain of command as to was there any changes? Was there anything that was missing? We have a book on the Kishamaya, the Popol Vuh, that's a very small book, which seems to be a small sliver of the whole religion. So when you're missing pieces of the puzzle, yeah, it, it's open for debate. Do you have the whole picture? And the Gnostics have a whole different view on the Bible in terms of there are generally polytheists, although there are Gnostic Christians, but they don't believe Jesus was the word of God. And they're also connected to the Essenes, who are the religion of Egypt that you were referring to, of Heliopolis. And they believe the religion that Moses brought went rogue into monotheism as opposed to polytheism. And so they, they have a different view on it. Jewish mysticism that you were talking about in terms of the Talmud, uh, or the Midrash, or all the different variants. That, again, is polytheism within Judaism, like the Essenes and sort of a sister group to it. And Kabbalism is more of a more recent advent because that comes back from Babylon where the Essenes and their mysticism comes out of Egypt. So it's two different time frames that adds, that mixes in there, but they are kind of similar in terms of, uh, of their doctrine. So you get all of that sort of going on, but what it boils down to is what you get in all the different writings is there is one side and another side. And whether or not you believe the God of the Bible is evil or he's the good God will be the lens that you're going to view things through. And if you look at the God of the Bible as being evil, then you're tend to going to believe in multiple gods or very advanced beings. And so it really sort of comes down to that. And even from a secular history perspective, that secular history is always dominated by the religion of that nation that was writing that ancient history. And one can make an argument that that history is not even secular today, that it has those same type of biases in it. So not only just by the victors, but by uh, the religions and the beliefs that, that they have. So the question I think is, is how do we know about the reliability? I think we have a large body that's out there, and I would look for the consistencies 
in each of those. And that's how you match it up. Because when you have multiple sort of witnesses, they may view the same event, whether it's the flood or the giants or the building of the pyramids or whatever in ancient history, they're telling about the same event. They just have a different religious lens they're viewing it through. All right, guys, I want to tell you about our friends at Helix, man. You know what? Most of your life you spend sleeping. And some of you guys don't even think about your mattress. You just lay down and you deal with it. Okay, stop it. There's a solution out there, and it's our friends at Helix. That's right. Johnny, do you have a Helix mattress? I do. I do. Yeah, I love it. Helix Sleep is the best, man. I got it. I have two of them. I have two of them, and they're both great. You know, I sleep in certain ways. Johnny, what do you sleep? I think you sleep yeah, what? I'm a, I'm a side, Knees side. by your head, right? <laughs> yeah, is that a, how you sleep? I'm a side back sleeper, yeah. Yeah, well, how do you sleep, Xavier? On my side. On your, I'm Straight a side, side sleeper, too. I definitely go fetal position sideways. <laughs> That's how I sleep. And, of course, my dog gets bam right in the corner. <laughs> so I have no room. I pay for everything. I have no room. But guess what? I have a giant bed, so I don't care because Helix is taking care of me, man. It is very important whether you, you know. Dude, I used to have a really junk bed, and I just got Me the too. worst sleep, dude. And thanks to Helix, I sleep on clouds, okay? And how did Helix know what I want? Because they have a wonderful, wonderful quiz. Johnny took it, passed yep. it with A's, okay? I passed it, and I realized I... What kind of mattress do you have? Only quiz you ever passed. Yeah, it is true. It is true. That's that's true. I, I like firm and a little soft at the same time. Yeah, that's what I got too. I got the one that's kind of midway soft. Yeah, you take a quick. It's a two-minute sleep quiz. I'm taking mean, it right it takes now. Even less than that. Look at it, he's taking it right taking now, it dude. Right and now, it was dude. simple, easy, fast. And the best part is, you don't even have to go to the store with the. Have you heard about these mattress stores and what they they're thinking they're fronts for oh, some dude. shady shit? Not no, Helix. No. Not Helix Sleep. And they'll rip you off. That's the shadiest thing of all that they do. Maybe it's just ripping people off left and right. Yeah, not Helix Sleep. They take care of you because they're honest people. I've met them. They're good people, and I love them. Okay, so if you're looking for a mattress, take a quiz. You order the mattress that you're matched to, and the mattress comes right to your door. Ship for free. You don't even need to go to the mattress store. Fuck the mattress store. You can go online and take care of this with our good friends at Helix Sleep, okay? So this is what you're going to do. Just go to helixsleep.com slash tinfoil. Take their two-minute sleep quiz, okay? I'm done already. I'm done. He's done. He's in. He's out. He's already got another one coming, I'm okay? buying it right now. He's buying it right now. It's If Xavier could do it, we can all do it, okay? <laughs> This is all you do. You go to sleep, helixsleep.com slash tinfoil and take their two-minute quiz, and they will match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. And guess what? They have a 10-year warranty, and you'll get it. You get to try it out for 100 nights. For a, on a mattress that you sleep on. 100, 100 nights. nights. Making love on a mattress, and this is how much they care for you. They'll take back your love, man. They, they know you're going to love it, dude. Every night, hitting it, hitting it, hitting it. And then you're like, guess what? I don't want it. I want it. Guess what? It's never happened in the history of time, okay? Because you gonna, make better love on a Helix mattress. That's yeah. all I know. Better love, okay? Helix is offering up to... $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash timfoam. Okay, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash timfoam. Come on, you deserve to sleep well. So uh, I, I, I want to get the Giants. I have just one more thing. So you know, I have a lot of friends who are, and a lot of people listen to the show, 
And, you know, I love everybody. Um, Bless have Christians who love the show. They're wonderful people. You know, uh, I think every religion gets demonized by their crazies and stuff like that. And that, you know, when I meet, like, when I go and I meet Muslims, they're wonderful people. When I meet Jews, they're wonderful people. When I meet Christians, they're wonderful people. And I go down the list. It's very rare that a group of people are, are bad people. And, and, you know, it's like every group has some bad apples and, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil always. Okay. You know, so, but one thing that I want to talk about is like when, when, when you talk about all these alternative uh, views and religions and holy books, a big thing that is talked about is about how it, the devil created these. So we didn't know, so we lost our, our contact with God. Uh, what is your thoughts on that? Because I hear that a lot, man, that, you know, th- th- that's brought up all the time, Buddhism, all these other religions. And I know Buddhism is more of a, a um, philosophy than a religion. It's kind of something you could add on to whatever you believe. But there's this whole notion that these thoughts and these beliefs uh, represent, you know, um, misinformation from Satan himself, the devil. What is your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting sort of perspective. I would, I would reshape that argument to that you have knowledge and information being supplied by different sources. And in polytheism, for example, it's a dualistic religion. So they believe it in this and this is consistent through all of the polytheist religions. There, there is this perpetual war going on between good and evil that one never wins, right? And so, I mean, you can look at the analogies like the Star Wars. It's, it's that sort of perpetual war that goes on. And when you get into the polytheist side, they receive knowledge that is added to the seven sciences that they were developing on their own. And that accelerated their knowledge in terms of civilizations and the sudden advancements that uh, were, were coming about. And so this knowledge comes from their, from, from their gods. And this is a consistent story throughout polytheism. You get that same view coming out of scriptural narratives and, and the canon where you have the fallen angels who are providing this extra illicit knowledge as the book of Enoch would call it. And this is what merges with the seven sacred sciences. So the Gnostics in Freemasonry, they're the ones who have the clearest story coming out of prehistory for records because they have had a polychronicon tradition that transcends the flood. And they look at the knowledge that came from Cain to Enoch, son of Cain, and there are two Enochs, and remember that there's one son of Cain, one son of Jared in, in the Bible, is that the knowledge that Adam was taught in Eden was passed on to Cain and to Seth, but Enoch is the one who really develops this knowledge that Adam was taught by God and develops it into the seven sciences, which is the knowledge in the sixth generation in the Bible that marriages with, with the knowledge of the gods. And polytheism has that same development with this knowledge of almost everything coming from the gods that created the civilization. And so you get that consistency factor in there again. So 
again, I would not look at that argument as that it's disinformation in the typical sort of sense. I mean, people believe that information and they totally believe that whichever side they're on, they're on the right side mm -hmm. and they have the real truth. And there's subtle differences as to who's the good God and who are the evil gods from a monotheist perspective, right? Or who is the uh, good gods and who is the evil God. And in polytheism, they look at the God of the Bible as an equal to them, as to those other gods who went rogue and is arrogant and does evil things and tries to trap people in ignorance and things like that. So again, I would look at it is as it you have to you have to research it yourself and you have to make your own decision. Do I accept this view or do I accept the other view or do I not want to accept either views? But you also have to be aware if you're going to be secular that that may not be a secular view. It may be maybe being manipulated by the the polytheists who just want to lead people away from the God of the Bible. And so there's still nuances within all of that. And the difficulty is, is that whether or not you follow science, you still have to have faith in science. If you're a sec if you don't believe in anything, you have to have faith in that. Or if you if you are a polytheist, you have to have faith in those gods are the legitimate good gods, even though there's some evil gods in polytheism as well. And you have to have faith in the God of the Bible if you're a monotheist. So no matter what, you're going to get down to a point where I'm going to make a decision, and, and no decision is still a decision, but you've got faith in that. I love that. I just such a complex thing. You know, I deal with, I, I talk about that. I love studying religions. I try my hardest. You know, I flunk first grade, so I'll read books on it. And then after two paragraphs, I'm like, what did I just read? But I'm trying, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying my hardest. Uh, I'm dealing with some weird wiring, uh, but I'm trying my hardest. And uh, you know, but I love the, I love just trying to understand what's going on. So I, I, I don't, you know, for me personally, I'm like, am I ever going to get to the bottom of the truth? I don't know if my mind can do that. I just enjoy the discussion. But the one thing that I do is like, for me, man, it's like so much of it is like, what do I uh, apply to my life on a daily basis? Is it making me a better person? Is it making me a happier person? And for the most part, it really is, you know, and, and these things that I do, which is like love thy neighbor, you know, model of abundance, uh, you know, law of attraction, stuff like that helps me on a daily basis be a happier person. Now, do I have downtimes and do I get sad and I, you know, quote unquote depressed? Yeah, I can usually attribute that to when I ate better. Anyways, the point is this, it's like, is that I, who will ever know? And that's why I'm glad you're here because you've done 40 years of work that I don't think a lot of us have the time to do. So I really do appreciate that. This will be the last question. Uh, do you think the, the, the stories of the Bible were meant to be done, taken literally or it's metaphors almost more, you know, stories to learn from. Well, the most common view from a Christian perspective, which I come from, is, is that it's the literal perspective that you need to apply the Bible with, and that all of the allegories are defined within the Bible. There are a lot of interpretive people that would 
view this, and it's typically a Gnostic or a polytheist belief that all of the scriptures, whether or not it's theirs or the Bible, needs to be understood in the interpretive approach, which means you have to go through the mysteries, you have to become an adept to understand what's really written within those scriptures. Whereas the Bible is, is saying, no, that's, that's not, you know, Christians will say, no, that, that's not the case. So I recognize that there are two different approaches in that. Uh, I side on the literal one because I, I don't have issues in understanding the Bible from a literal perspective or understanding what the metaphors are because they're all defined within the Bible. But the allegorical approach, it can have a moving target. I mean, you don't know what the meaning of that allegory or symbolism is, and they could be changing it. And you wouldn't know because that is being passed on to you. And so when you're in the lower mysteries, you're not really taught the true secrets. Only at the adept level uh, are you taught the true secrets and higher. And there's more degrees than the 33rd degree of Freemasonry or the third degree of mysticism or the York Rite. It can go as high as, I, I know of seven, I've been told 9, 11, 13, and I don't know how high it goes, but that's in the real higher orders of the Royal Masonic orders. And you have to be born into that to learn those very, very high level of mysteries. That, okay, dude. So this, let's get into this because I think giants are very important. And how does, how does giants fit in? to what's going on today in our world with COVID and all that stuff. I'm going to give my, my point of view. So we've, we've had people on uh, the show before, Matt LaCroix, um, uh, who else? Have we? Greg Carlwood, uh, a lot of talks of, uh, of, um, uh, of these Anunnaki, uh, lots of talk about DNA and supposedly – Within the Bible, and Gary, I'd love to hear your thoughts, how precious our DNA is, and that when it gets uh, other, uh, I don't know how to say, shish kebab or Benny Hanad uh, so much that the gods get angry and they want to hit a reset button, which is kind of what uh, a lot of people think is going on today with uh, these vaccines, these mRNAs, uh, these gene splicers, that it's it's messing with our, our very sacred DNA. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think uh, the DNA issue is going to be a big issue as we move forward. I would also suggest that we're just catching up to what happened in prehistory. And in biblical prophecy, in terms of the relationship to that, is it's going to be like the days of Noah. And in the days of Noah, and Noah lived both 350 years after the flood and 600 years before the flood, you have the creation of the giants, and you also have creation of other beings that are described in all of the polytheist religions, whether or not it's the centaurs, or it's Pegasus, or it's Cyclops, or it's, I mean, there's this endless list of little people and other beings that are created. And the crimes that the fallen angels did is that they, they violated the laws of creation, not only through sexual cohabitation, but with the knowledge that was provided. They also did DNA manipulation because we also get 
creatures that are called chimeras and multiple types of creatures out of polytheism as well. Those are violations against the laws of creation in both ways because it changed the DNA. The DNA through sexual copulation added a spiritual being that has a capability to take a physical form to pass on that DNA and its traits and the counterfeit spirit that went along with it. So if you look at some of the buildings and the technology uh, that they had to build the pyramids or Machu Picchu or the Sphinx, all things that are accredited in polytheism to be built before the flood by this great knowledge they had before. And we don't have that today, but they had this acceleration of knowledge as the Nephilim or as the giants were born who took over the kingships. And you look at what's going on today, you have this sudden acceleration of the knowledge where we can again start to manipulate DNA. And one can argue whether or not giants will be recreated or we're going to be dealing with the descendants of the giants and the bloodlines and the genealogies and the pedigree that they keep that are going to be ruling this new world order i like to call the nephilim world order but um okay yeah 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 same sort of two dynamics coming about so you enter in now mrna which sends messages to um your immune system in the cell levels at the DNA level to attack a particular protein and or a spike as opposed to the multi-level immunity aspects that our immunity have, whether it's T cells and everything else that goes along with it. And you have that ability that is now coming through the medical healthcare system to change your DNA if they chose to do so. And I don't think they've done that yet, but it has that sort of first level of technology. Now, in the end time, just to make a point on what I'm talking about here, in the book of Revelation, which I know a lot of people say is indecipherable, and believe me, it isn't. In Revelation 18.23, Babylon, which is the universal religion that brings about the 10 king world government, deceives all of the nations with its sorceries, as it's recorded in the King James Version Bible. Sorceries is a very interesting word. Sorcerer is the word that was used by the people of the Rosicrucians and the Freemasons to call themselves, and they called themselves the last of the sorcerers and the first of the scientists as they created the Royal Society that all science and education still answers to today uh, in, in England. And sorceries is the word that goes back to in, in Revelation 18.23, uh, pharmakia. And then it's also used in Revelation uh, 9, 9, 921 and 21.8 and 22.15. And the two other words for that are pharmacus and pharmacos, and it's all oh, like snaps. Surgery. Right. And pharmakia is the Latin word for pharmacy, which is old French, which is the pharmaceuticals that we have today. And the vaccines are being created by the pharmaceutical companies today. And they're creating a DNA level of access that could lead to, if you if you look at Babylon leading the world astray through her sorceries or pharmakia, and that could also mean prescription drugs, and it could also mean, you know, uh, illicit illegal drugs as well. You have that that connection there with the with the secret societies, with the science. And with end time biblical prophecy and 
the timing about bringing about world government. If you look at the birth pangs in prophecy, that includes wars and rumors of war, earthquakes, pestilence, and pandemics, I mean, and, and famine. And so all of those are going to be increasing. We're, we seem to be in the birth pangs of the fig tree generation, which was the overarching sign that Jesus gave just, after, just before he talks about the days of Noah. Uh, as being part of the fig tree generation, we have these birth pangs that are supposed to increase in intensity as we get closer to world government in the end time. And so we start to see this merging of the pharmaceuticals, uh, oligopolies or corporations, governments, and they're starting to take away rights. They're trying to do things on a global scale that is sort of being led by the globalists. And the globalists all want world government. And I think we're seeing a connection here that we ought to take a stand, not necessarily take a stand on, but become educated on. It's, I mean, it's not the mark of the beast yet. But, you know, in Davos, they were talking about the implant system that could give you all the vaccinations that you need, all the medication that you need, that that system would come about and the, the connection to the monetary system and to unlimited knowledge and longer life through the delivery system of healthcare. And now if they say, if you have to have a vaccine, down the road, they could manipulate that. I don't think we're at that point yet, but it's introductory technology and they're just learning the things that they can do right now and what they can get away with. And I think they're finding it surprisingly easy to get 70% of the population to go along with what they're saying because they're afraid. I totally agree with that, man. We've had guests on here before talking about the importance of DNA, how uh, this group of uh, dark arts occultics, the Rothschilds, uh, forced their way into basically uh, getting into royal families and messing up royal DNA. Uh, and then we talk about giants and how, how big that is and how, you know, they've taken sacred human DNA and they messed it with these low frequency entities, whether they're archons and stuff like that. And now what you're trying to tell me is like that there are connections from of secret societies to giants. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. Oh, so snaps. Well, and, and my book will walk everybody through that in a very, very detailed way. So secret societies take their beginnings back to before the flood, back to Enoch, son of Cain. And their major patriarchs are like Tubal Cain, Jubal, Jubal, and Nama. Again, the four that are listed as of the many offspring that aren't listed of Lamech, which is of the Cain lineage. And that is the beginning of the Royal Masonic masonry that people are not really familiar with. And what happens is that the knowledge that Enoch has developed and the knowledge that has merged with this illicit knowledge from heaven or the gods, they're not going to permit this knowledge to go to people that they don't want it to go to. So they set up the mystery religions that I call Enochian mysticism. And this is the religion that sets up the mystery schools to develop these sciences in the antediluvian epoch that they give credit to Enoch's 
technology to building the pyramids in Freemasonry, part of their history of Freemasonry or the Polychronicon I, I mentioned earlier. And out of that comes the secret societies as a branch arm, but the secret societies are Masonic royal bloodlines that are the high-level adepts. So you have the Nephilim and you have their offspring and the descendants thereafter, and they have this bloodline of the Nephilim but you have the flood that comes along. So all of this crosses the flood and resurfaces biblically and also in Masonic records at Babel, where Nimrod receives this lost knowledge that was stored under the pyramids by Hermes, who finds the two pillars of Lamech and Enoch, brings that back to Nimrod, who writes the first constitution for royal masonry after the flood, and they use that technology to start building the city and, and the tower. And we get sort of an indication of that knowledge from working as one people, nothing is going to be prevented them from doing, summarizing uh, the account in, in, in the Bible. And so he becomes the first grandmaster of the Royal Masonic bloodline. And so you're going who to do, Who becomes that? Nimrod, after yep. the flood. And now he's going to marry into the Raphaim who show up after the flood. You may not be familiar with that term, Raphaim. But Raphaim are giants. They're not as big as the Nephilim by sort of accounts that we get after the flood. Nephilim do not show up after the flood. Nephilim is only showing up three times in the Bible. That's in Genesis 6, 1 through 4, Numbers 13, 33, where it goes back to the Anakim who are giants. Trouble is the Anakim are actually Raphaim as they're described in Deuteronomy 2, giant all other times in the Bible after that goes back to Raphaim. That was the embellishment story of the report. Not that there weren't Anakim, because that's recorded earlier in Numbers 13, 33, and then restated in Deuteronomy 1. I know that's a lot of information. But the Raphaim are the giants after the flood, whom Nimrod is going to intermarry with, and going to create all of the royal dynasties. And they set up the complete nobility class with their extended family that have ruled ever since and controlled the religions, even the priests within the religion. So when Roman Christianity comes about, that priesthood is very quickly taken over by the educated elite who are all part of the bloodlines. So I look at the bloodlines as being the descendants of the giants who are the royal monarchies and they keep those genealogies intact because how pure that bloodline is and how much it's been ennobled or scioned into other bloodlines that would go back to a specific Raphaim or Nephilim and or a god or a fallen angel is where they stand in, in the pack. So as the secret societies roll forward in the post-Diluvian world, it's all controlled by the educated elite all through the bloodlines. So only after the fall of the Knights Templar and I know I'm covering a lot of territory. Hell yeah. Um, uh, do you see a decentralization of this ancient masonry? And they're going to ensure that it, their organization can't be toppled so easily as it was in 1307. So they're going to develop Freemasonry. They're going to develop uh, the Rosicrucians. They're going to develop uh, the Royal Society, the Illuminati, the Jesuits, and the Rothschilds banking to do everything that the Templars were already doing as they were molded within Roman Christ Christianity. And so you have this, these orders. If you look at 
the society and the ranking of these organizations, you have Freemasonry is basically at the entry level and you become third degree adept. So you have the Illuminati above sort of like, imagine it as a tree with these central organizations and then all of these branch organizations that intersect into that controlling trunk organization. So go up the trunk, Freemasonry to Illuminati, to Rosicrucian, to the uh, Council of 300, or the Committee of 300, to the Council of 33, to the 13 families. Now, Damn, dude, that is, that's totally it, man. That is totally it. Holy cow. Yeah. Dude. And, and now, now get this. That's just the Western 13 families. Oh, yeah. There's Eastern, right? There's, there's like bloodlines the- all over the world. So it's not 13, just 13 families. There's 13 families for each region almost. Pretty much. That seems to be the case. Wow. Although it's been, it's like if you get into China with the Shaw dynasty, which produced all of the royal bloodlines, then you understand that Xi comes from the word Shaw, X-Y-A, and he has, is part of that royal bloodline. They dominated the Chinese royal bloodline, but they started also other dynasties. So you have the Yamamoto dynasty. That's another important bloodline. You might have the Sing dynasty and the Khan dynasties out of China. You have, you know, people think that all of the dynasties and with the Incas, with the, with the Roca families or the, the Mayan and the Aztec families were all wiped out. No, just the only, only king of that time was killed, but all of their nobility status was reinstated by 1525 by the Spanish so that they had all of the sort of vassal power now because they'd be answerable to, to, to the Spaniards and the Portuguese that they had before, and they began to intermarry because, again, that would be ennobling the bloodlines. And so these families are still in place all over the world. And so you have different groups of people that we're going to people are going to have to be be aware of. And, you know, people want to want to know where like where does Putin fit in? Because Putin's name doesn't show up um, before his grandfather in the 1850s. But he comes from the Ukraine, his grandfather in the land of the Putyanin, the original Kaisers, the original royal families. And what they did in Russia when the royal families had children outside of their official marriage because they wouldn't give them the full name. They would give them only partial name. So he would be, you know, a bastard um, as, as they would call it, but still has those bloodlines. Like he may not be as quite as pure as, as some of the other ones, but don't, don't ever kid yourself that he's against the new world order. He just wants a larger role in the new world order, just as China does. Yeah, I totally agree with that 100%. I think, you know, Stalin, Zionism, I think uh, Zionism is at the heart of uh, communism. And, you know, it's like Stalin did the work of the New World Order, man. I, I mean, like Hitler was uh, uh, garbage, but, you know, he, they were Stalin was definitely doing the work of of the New World Order and the Zionist. And, you know, the 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 the, the Russian hammer and sickle is very much related to the Rothschilds and stuff like that. And, you know, when we hear Putin kicked out the Rothschilds, I, I just think that's all he just that's just done. So 
Putin's base thinks he's doing something. It's kind of like when the U.S. government's like, we killed the leader of ISIS. You're like, well, that wasn't hard. He's on your payroll if anybody really watches any of that stuff. So it's like, it's not that hard. There's a lot of lip service and uh, pageantry going on that isn't uh, – uh, that isn't exactly what's really happening. So I have a question for you. It's like, uh, or you can comment on that and then I'll ask you the next question. Sure. I'll comment on that. You might find this interesting is that communism and socialism is called social masonry and was designed to do exactly what you're talking about was to create this anarchy and move world through catastrophes and wars to the new world order. The problem is, is the communists got out of control. So what did they do? They funded the Nazis, National Socialism, right? And this is a, an organization that again got out of control. And so then they had to take them down as well. Interesting, but, interesting. Yeah. That's so, interesting. And, well, and if you look at some of the connections with um, uh, the Bush family and modern terrorism, um, you've got Prescott Bush, who was uh, uh, a fellow who was ment mentored by Ed Harriman, who was you know major old, uh, shareholder of of. Uh, a large bank and Prescott uh, Bush served on UBC's board. Um, so yeah. there's this, yeah. And Prescott Bush was the driving force to create the CIA. And George Sr. was the CIA director when they drafted Osama bin Laden to fight the Russians. And of course, George Jr. is the president when Osama attacks in 9-11, but he never catches him. Coincidentally, ah, I'll let people decide so on close. that. So close. Now, what's My interesting God. about but also don't forget, Gary, that Obama's don't forget Obama's grandfather was 10th cousins with uh George Bush Sr., which sounds like a lot of cousins away, but it's really not. That's like three grandmas. Okay. So you're three grandmas away. So the two big forces driving uh, the CIA was George Bush Sr. and Ob Obama's grandfather, who basically pimped Obama's mother uh, to be an MK Ultra sex kitten. And that's kind of where that whole thing. So, you know, we were sold Obama was an, um, Obama is the last of the two party system I ever voted for. First, uh, first. First term. After that, I go. Ah, oh, dude, we got we got lied to. And then, thank God, uh, Trump came, and I realized that was all BS. And the, so, it's got, God bless the last three uh, presidents for completely destroying uh, my view that anyone's coming to save us. But back to what we're talking about. So, it's so interesting what you're saying because I always do believe, man, in my heart of hearts, that things get created by these secret groups and they get out of control, get away from them. And I I, I do believe that as what happened with the internet they never you know when you hear them talk about and johnny you've brought this up before isn't it that when they were talked about the internet they're like yeah there'll maybe be like 10 websites and you're like what and now they never took into account that there were uh dudes who couldn't get laid who were trying to find ways to impress women and they just advanced yeah. the 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 uh the internet yeah. To a point where now they're freaking out about controlling it. And I believe it's blood in the water. They're trying to do a really great job of it. But I do believe it's blood in the water. 
But uh, yeah, man, that's a that's a great point. Like Stalin gets out of control. Hitler gets out of control. There's this whole thought that Hitler was just trying to destroy the World Banking Organization. But I, I, I don't know, man. I'm, I, I, I don't know any of that story. It just seems like they were all funded by the same people. They were. They were. And you've got the, uh, you know, the banking connections that go back. So if you look at... Uh, the, the Nazi bank of BIS, it was funded by, by the Rockefellers, uh, the Schroeder Bank, um, and uh, you also have uh, the Rothschilds in there. You also have the Warburgs that were in there. And it's all, fun- all this financing is funneled through uh, the BIS bank, the uh, Bank uh, International Settlements. And they totally funded uh, the, the Nazi movement. And the other interesting thing in there is that the two um, lawyers for um, this organization representing BIS Bank uh, for these uh, banking consortiums was uh, Alan Dulles and, uh, and John Dulles. And, of course, Alan uh, Dulles is, uh, becomes a CIA agent um, that is uh, very, very influential in funding the Wahhabi movement after World War II. And the Wahhabi movement, which Al-Qaeda comes from, uh, they were Nazi collaborators acting as Nazi intelligence in World War II. And then after the war, the CIA funds them. And so, and they want them to create terror. They want them to create whether or not they get out of control or not. I think in a lot of cases they do, but... I think both organizations sort of need each other too. So when they need the funding, they might do some things uh, that they normally wouldn't want to do. But if, if people think that these things work in a vacuum, it doesn't. Um, and you need to you need to understand how the how the world works. Um, there was also some, you know because you look at the founding fathers of uh, um, of the United States, right? There's some different ways to look at it. A lot of people, there's, we've had one, uh, Susan Bradford on, she talked about how she felt like uh, they, that was, this democracy was attempt to destroy the, the iron grip of the Royal families. Um, But there's also some discussion that maybe that, that, Freemasonry started out as one thing, and then it was infiltrated through the Illuminati that's, that kind of decayed it from the inside. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, you got two, two different things sort of going there. So the creation of the United States was always the Templar dream, and they wanted the United States, and they had <laughs> discovered it beforehand. And, you know, if you ever wonder why Christopher Columbus carried the Templar flag on the Santa Maria, that's where he got his information from as to how to get over there. And he was also a Freemason. Um, so when you look at the United States, it was thought to be the building ground for the model of the new world order. And so they envisioned all of these states working together, individual states with one strong central world government, and they wanted to develop it to have the power to bring about the new world order as well. But things sort of change as they go because by the time you have the Jacobite movement moved off of the throne, which masonry is you know, 
very closely tied to the Stuart dynasty and the unicorn dynasty. You have the Germans coming over who are Protestants, which is fine, but they're not necessarily promoting the same causes. So they need to have a place that's set up very quickly. And they've got all of these Freemasons over there, whether or not it's Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, or the, or the huge list of them. They're going to do a revolution to set up this new government. And this new launching pad, and they need this new country to have a constitution that's going to protect their religion so that they're safe from Roman persecution, the Roman church, the Catholic church. And so it's set up for a number of reasons, but all for, for the same goal. So you also have what's going on is rivalries within the bloodlines. At the end of the day, there can only be one king of the whole world. They're all working directionally, but they all want to be that one family. It's like that series, The Highlanders. There can only be one. And that's sort of the, the fairy aspect of the bloodlines that they're talking about with the quickening um, in the allegories that are in, in that series. And there can only be one. There will be you know, room for these other families, but they're going to be in lower positions. And so there's always going to be fighting over who's going to present that, that one family. And that's why we're told biblically in prophecy, like expect multiple antichrists before the real one steps forward, because you have all of these bloodlines around the world who are going to present their own antichrist type figure. And you just have to look to Lord Maitreya as an example of what comes out of Hinduism or the Mahdi, which comes out of Shia Islamism. All the religions have this Messiah type figure, usually in an incarnation aspect uh, that will be coming for the same close of this age that the Bible talks in the end time. And that's that sort of consistency factor and that different lens that we're talking about. But look at things that they work at things directionally even though there are rivalries. Yeah, you know, it's just, you know, it's like I talk about all the time, uh, you know, I kind of look at the New World Order kind of like the gangs of L.A., where there's like, what is there, like 70 gangs? And sometimes they're fighting with each other, and sometimes they're working with each other. It all depends on what the goal is and if they need each other. And I think that happens a lot in the uh, the, uh, the New World Order. There isn't one group. You can't pin it on one group. There may be, if you go far, far, far enough, there might be a, a Pindar, the giant albino lizard in the Middle Earth. I don't know, man. But, you know, all these different fractions are working together, you know, uh, you know, communists work with Zionists when they need it. And then they work with the, the Freemasons and then they work with the black nobility. And, you know, all these different groups work together when it, it helps them, which is usually getting the elites to control the, 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 the masses. Now, yeah. I don't know if the masses can ever truly take over. I don't know if this, this whatever we live in right now, and I, I don't know how Christian uh, the discussion of a holographic universe is or uh, a realm is, but I, I, I think we live in a haunted house, and there's a bunch of actors that work here together to get us the I, I, the I don't know if you want to call us the animals of this safari or the exhibits of this safari to get a certain reaction from us, you know, and that the archons somewhat feed off our negative energy. Um, 
but they all definitely work together. And it's a very interesting thing. And, you know, what we're sold in high school and elementary school about the formation of the United States, I, I've just learned that history is a giant lie and it's told by those who want to control. So as we wrap it up here, I have two more questions for you. One thing I'd like to know, do you believe there's giants that still roam uh, it, here, are there still giants amongst us? We've heard stories of giants who, um, you know, in Afghanistan attacked these people and they ended up killing it. And then they all had to take a vow of silence. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's certainly possible. We don't really get a lot of evidence of it uh, in terms of, uh, you know, day-to-day -day sightings of the Nephilim or the Raphaim. Certainly the Afghanistan incident is quite legitimate in the details and credibility in the people that were undergoing it. And believe me, I have a description in my book that fits quite accurate to what was cited in the Afghanistan incident. So there could be a few that are out there. Typically, what, what I think we have is we have the descendants of, of the giants in, in, in the royal families. That's not to eliminate the factor that there couldn't be ones in stasis, as a lot of people would present. I, mean, I can't prove that, but that's a possibility. They could be in the earth. They could be in stasis. Um, or maybe that's just, just a, a mythology and a legend. Or there's a good possibility that there'll be a recreation of these giants, just as it was in the days of Noah. But what we do know for today is, is that the bloodlines of the royal families keep their genealogies that go back into the midst of times and to specific giants, like Albion would be an example uh, of, of one that's quite a prominent in, in, in Europe. Um, but they all have a fallen angel, and they also have a patriarch Nephilim or Raphaim that they take their genealogies back to. So we have the descendants for sure. And again, they're working in the background as to organizing all of what we see today that's sort of being presented to us. And again, they don't always work together, but they're working directionally in, in, in that way. So, um, so I lean towards more that there aren't those giants today, but there could be. I just don't have enough evidence that they're there. I mean, we have way more evidence about the alien mythos. I mean, way, way more than we do for the giants. So what do we have about aliens. What do you got? Well, just the, just the whole concept of how many sightings there are that the U S government is now starting to put out information, although it's a lot of it's misinformation, but we also know that a lot of these beings are being represented differently than what they are. You know, for example, you have coming out of these creations that were made by the, the gods and the fallen angels is you have the little people. And in one of those categories, you, well, there's four groups of the, of the elementals. One is reptilians, which is a major part of, of the alien mythos. You have three groups of little ones, because the salamanders are larger. These are the gnomes, uh, the ugly ones, the mischievous ones. Like Hold on, there's somebody the known ones. as the ugly ones? Yeah, the gnomes. And the whole group of them, hobbits, dwarves, all of them, uh, trolls, are all in this one sort of grouping. There's three standard groups all around the world of these beings. One of them, the gnomes, they looked after genealogies and technology 
and the knowledge of the giants and the fallen angels and the organizational structure. And all these little people had an agenda. So, for example, you have the dwarves who are part of the ugly ones, and they created weapons for the gods just as they're depicted in Lord of the Rings. That's not a coincidence. They live in the earth. Um, but the gnomes, they also have flying machines. They come out of fairy mounds and portals, uh, and they kidnap people, and they do sexual experimentations on them. Well, these gnomes up to no good, dude. Yeah. And I have descriptions of these encounters in my book. And if you didn't know it was a fairy encounter, you would swear it was a gray alien kidnapping because they look exactly like the grays so the fairies look like the grays the gnomes do the gray gnomes do oh man that is nuts dude that is nuts i cannot believe these fairies are up to no good dude up to no good a lot of people idling people people. a lot of people think they're up to good things but in 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 polytheism and in the occult they're at the lowest level of the hierarchical structure. I told, so I'm going to ask you, I want to ask you a question. Do you, what does the Bible say? Have you ever heard of Tataria? Tataria? Tataria. Yes. Yes. What are your thoughts on Tataria? Well, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a really big subject. Um, But that comes from the word Tartarus, right? Yeah. And we get that as one of the words that's translated into English in the New Testament for abyss. And Tartarus is where the rebellious giants in Greek mythology were locked into after Zeus and his good Nephilim defeated Poseidon and his evil Nephilim. And they put these ones into the abyss. And in Greek mythology, they escaped out of Tartarus and into Scythia. And Scythia is the home of the Tuatha de Danan, or the Tuatha Danu, or the tribe of Anu. And these are the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, pale-skinned giants who migrate up the Danube River to Russia, Germany, Sweden. And the red-haired, hazel-eyed, pale-skinned ones migrate to Ireland, Scotland, and England, uh, which uh, produced the Albion giant, Albion, Magog, and Gog of of English uh, legend and mythology. Um, And they are the root to, because they're all giants, they're post-Diluvian giants, I think they're Raphaim as opposed to the polytheist version, and they also spread to the east, where you get all of these great uh, sort of unwritten histories of the empires of Tartaria. And Genghis Khan is part of that whole uh, history. And it's rumored that he actually takes his genealogy back to King Og of the Bible, who was a Raphaim. Damn, dude. Okay, final so question. That's just a quick now. summary. <laughs> well, dude, you got to come back and talk about all that stuff. I want to hear more about the ugly ones because they sound shady, dog. These ugly ones just doing weird stuff to you. Go, I got to ask you a question. This is going to sound sure. weird. I know you're a Christian man, but just bear with me, dude. How come How come when it comes the 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 people visiting want to get women pregnant, but they seem to want to probe men's in, uh, behinds. What's your thoughts on that? Well, you're talking about the Sodom and Gomorrah incident. Yeah, um, of course. Of course. And uh, so two things you have to keep in mind is that 
first that the angels or the gods, they had a ability to take a physical form. They could take a physical form of choice. So they could be a male and they could be a female. They were called changelings, right? And I won't go into the theology of the Oikotarian, but you need something physical to interact in the physical world if you're a spiritual being. And that's called an Oikotarian, which is the dwelling place for the spirit. So they need to have that. So in the Bible, you get examples of angels that are recognized as angels. Some will look like men that are recognized as angels. Some are not. They're, these men that go to Sodom and Gomorrah weren't originally recognized as angels. But by the time they get to Sodom, they know that they're angels. So the question gets to be, is were they wanting to have sexual, uh, homosexual sex with them? Or did they want them to change into uh, a human female to have sex with them? Or did they want them to have sex with one of their daughters to create more giants or is it both we don't know what's in the minds of the uh people who wanting to have sex with the angels but you have to remember at that time they were run by a raphaim king in a five king pentapolis and just a few chapters before, you get the War of Giants in, in, the, in Genesis 14, where you have four giant kings who are making war with the upstart hybrids, who the Canaanites are living there. They actually intermarry with the, uh, the, with the Raphaim and create taller-than-humans hybrids, but not as large as, as, the, as the full giants. And so they're ruled by these Raphaim kings. My second book's going to cover this in detail. But uh, understand that they very much understood the concept of angels and reproduction and their changeling capability. So it could be either. So final now, question, man. Now, oh, go, go on, sorry. But there's also a history like in the uh, uh, some of the apocryphal books like uh, ones of Enoch or the book of Lamech of Cain, which comes out of this series of books like the book of King Og and the Manichaean Giants and the book of Giants. Raphaim had a homosexual nature to them. They, they, they dropping were, bombs, Gary. Those, dropping were, bombs. According to those apocryphal, books, they were more bi, they were more bisexual. So you have that influence there too. But Sodom and Gomorrah were looked by the Gnostics and the polytheists not as evil cities. They were looked at as cities of light, cities of knowledge. Damn. Damn. And you get that term, a shining hill on a on, on a hill. That is what Sodom and Gomorrah were, and that Camulot actually has a Camu, so it comes from shining light, and Lot was the individual who was in Sodom and Gomorrah. So that allegory in King Arthur or Camulot is just sort of saying Camulot is a new Gotham. It's a new Sodom. It's a new Gomorrah. So interesting. So here's what I want to end on this. And Gary, I got to have you back. Gary, before we do this. So you have a you have one book out and you have another book coming. What is it? How many books you got out? I know you want to write 40, but what do you got yeah. out right now? Right now, I just have the Genesis 6 conspiracy, how secret societies and the descendants of giants plan to enslave humankind. I will have a sequel to the Genesis 6 conspiracy, hopefully out by the end of the year. And it's going to be called Prehistory and Prophecy. 
And uh, the subtitle will probably be the Genesis Six Conspiracy Part Two, but we'll see what the publisher has to say about the name. So, and then I'm also working on a, a prophetic book at the same time that's about the Second Exodus in the end time. So the so when you want to look up, you want to look up Gary Wayne Genesis Six Conspiracy, and that's where yes. we'll find your book. Okay. Yep. Now, is all, all this stuff you talked about? About you know the giants doing gay stuff and 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 the ugly ones and all that stuff is that all in this these books? You'll get some of that in the first book, um, but all you'll right, get more man. of that in the second book. I cover so much material in the book that I actually had to edit it by three hundred and fifty pages, and it's still eight hundred pages long. So there's just so much information on this. Uh, so you'll get a little bit of that. You'll get a lot more in in the sequel on 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 that and the sources for those books that uh, that I'm talking about because I have over hundred pages of endnotes in the Genesis six conspiracy and my bibliography. People like to buy the book just to get the bibliography. Um, so. What I want when I write is I want to show transparency on where I get my information from. And you check out the veracity of what I'm saying. And so when I wrote the Genesis 6 book, even though I have a Christian, and that's the number six, Genesis 6 with the number six conspiracy.com, um, I wrote a, a lot of it so that whether or not it was the Freemasons or the Rosicrucians or the Gnostics or the various religions around the world, I let them speak in their own words. And then I show how that matched up with the Bible. I didn't want to manipulate it in any way, but people can go and look uh, to the source to see whether or not I did that because I give you the source on it. So, um, Okay, two is, more questions, Gary. Yeah, I got to ask yep. two more questions. Yep. Uh, what does the Bible say about flat earth? Is Do we live on a plane under... Uh, uh, Adult, what is your thoughts on that? Well, I'm agnostic on it. I lean against it, but I'm agnostic on it. And flat earth is something that would take your whole lifetime to just investigate, to try and get enough imperial uh, data on it. What I do know is something goes around something. Uh, and what I do know is, is we get 24 hours of darkness and 24 hours of light in the north. And I'm not, I've not been to the South Pole. I can't say that for sure down there. But I do know we get it in the north because I'm from Canada and I've been up there. So I do know we have issues with flat Earth on some of the uh, eclipses. So the only way this all makes sense is something's going around something. And to me, it doesn't matter whether or not there's anything at the bottom of the earth and it's just a dome on top or not. But my gut feeling is, is we're on a globe and that there's people everywhere on the globe. But as I say, I'm agnostic on it. And uh, you're open minded. Uh, to take, yeah, but I'm open minded. Yes. So my final question, what is there any prophecies in the Bible of what's to come? In terms of. The end time. Yeah, about the, uh, you know, COVID, uh, the end of days, because I believe that these parasites that are doing all this, you know, they're the elites. We can call them royal bloodlines. I, I think they're soul parasites. And I think they're going against the laws of the universe. And I don't think they win. I think in the end, love and, and good wins. What's your thoughts? Well, uh, I am Christian, so I believe 
good winds, and that's uh, the God of the Bible. And I do believe that um, there's going to be an end time, and we may be in that fig tree generation, uh, however long that is, whether it's 120 years or 70 years, and we don't even know whether or not it goes the full length, but only that it happens within that last generation. But the Bible is literally one-third prophecy. And, you know, prophecy is not taught in, church, in churches, neither is prehistory. So the people are, are, are being blind to, to, to what's coming. But the Bible has a lot of prophecy on what's going to happen. And the best way, I, well, if people want to start to look at it, is I would read Matthew 24. Uh, Mark 13 gives a similar account, a few more details, a few less details, but, and same with Luke uh, 17 and 21. But lay all prophecy over on Jesus's chronology, and everything starts to make some sense. And the other thing I would say to people, if you're going to get into prophecy, don't do what a lot of people do. Uh, place everything around what Jesus said, not vice versa, and do not ignore the inconvenient passages. You don't want to be a charlatan. You have to make everything fit. So uh, what I hear a lot in the misinformation is, is they want to ignore particular passages, and it just mixes the whole chronology up and the whole meaning up. So that's one of the reasons why I find end-time prophecy so fascinating is because there's just so much of it in the Bible, and there's a lot of this that is recorded outside of Christianity. And again, they have a, a kind of a similar account, but a little bit different ending, as you might imagine. Right, Gary, Gary, you seem to have some specific uh, examples in mind when you say don't ignore the inconvenient passages. Could you, could you name a, a, a prime couple, maybe? Well, yeah. So, I mean, the, the classic one would be is how we always get these predictions of rapture which is the taking away and the disappearing of people. And people ignore uh, that the two key passages in the Bible say that we're going to be saved from the coming wrath. Well, you can't ignore all, all of the wrath prophecies and put the rapture um, too far in advance of it. So they get to get the chronology wrong all of the time. And so a lot of people will also say um, the, uh, the Daniel prophecies were all fulfilled so that we're not going to have that last seven years. We may have a last three and a half years, but we're not going to have a last seven years. But then they ignore that, well, the Daniel prophecies have two halves of it. It has the first three and a half years and has the last three and a half years. And none of those events in the first three and a half years or the last three and a half years have been have been fulfilled. And all of them have to be fulfilled to be the end time, right? So you can't leave out things and get ahead of the chronology so that if people are predicting when rapture is going to come, understand rapture is going to happen after Babylon comes along in world government. So you can't just sort of arbitrarily say, I see a sign in the sky and we're gonna, we're gonna have rapture like they did a few years ago. And then they use Revelation 12, and they get the chronology all out, of, all out of order. So you have to take all of the relevant passages and put them together. Do you expect to uh, see any of those events? Well, um, it's, it's hard to know. Um, I, I just didn't know if you had a strong suspicion about it. You don't. Uh, well, I'm not a prophet. I don't claim no. to be. I'm, I'm a researcher. Um, but there's going to be a lot of tribulation before we get 
since the, lo- the start of the last seven years. I mean, as the birth pangs heat up, there's going to be wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, famine. And then you really heat up because with the seal openings, you get 25% destruction of people and everything on the world. And then you have 33% with the trumpet judgments, which happened before the midpoint. And the wrath doesn't come until after the abomination when Antichrist is crowned, and probably before the year of the Lord's favor when the second exodus is, is going to take place. And sometime after that, in between the year of the Lord's favor, um, is likely when the rapture, when you put all the passages together, points to that direction. But if you leave out passages uh, on the rapture, you can make a case for a pre-last seven-year rapture, but you have to discount what Jesus said, and you have to discount these prophecies that don't match. And I know there's different approaches, but my approach is is it either fits or it doesn't because it's either the Word of God or it isn't. Terry, my God, you, my friend, dropped the hammer of the God on us today. And, um, man, uh, it was an honor to have you on. You're, you're taking a shot at the uh, what we call the Mount Rushmore here. I could talk to you all day, every day. Uh, we got to have you back on talking about ugly ugly ones and, <laughs> and all that stuff. I want to hear all that because I think this world is a lot more interesting than people are led to believe, especially those in big cities. I think big cities, there's a lot of voodoo being done. So, so your senses get bombarded and you can't see the, the, how complex and beautiful our world is. And there's way more to it. Bigfoots and, and Nephilim and little shady kinky little dwarfs that are out there getting weird with everybody you know like all that stuff like much more interesting let me let me give you a hint of what we might be able to get into on a whole bunch of different topics so when i said that the fallen angels had offspring that looked just like them and i talk in my book a lot about the serpent ones uh the seraphims are the fiery serpent faced angels who are the watchers who created kings and offspring that look just like them. So if you Google Akhenaten and look at his serpentine face, and that's well over a thousand years after the the flood in biblical chronology and over 1500 years after secular chronology um, would place it. And that's highly diluted, but he's got this protruding chin, these high cheekbones, these thin serpentine lips, these large wraparound eyes, and this elongated skull. He looked like a seraphim. But you had the Anunnaki which a lot of what a lot of the uh, research shows that they're probably uh, a one-faced version of the cherubim, and they had offspring called the Tengu, or uh, and and these are the Tengu that we see in China and in Japan, or the Zabalba that's out of the Kishamaya, and these aren't from the plume serpents; these are from these other beings and. There's one uh, branch of the Zibalba called the House of Camazots, which is the House of the Bat. If you Google Camazots, you get the image of the Batman figure because a lot of the superheroes are all based in these um, these ancient uh, Nephilim and Rephaim. And then you have like the lion men of Moab and these like Mahis and Nergal as the lion faced gods who also reproduce. And then you have, and I'll just get back to the big Bigfoot connection and the Gnosticism. You have these seven archangels that Ayal Dabayoth 
uh, establishes or creates. And each of them had a different face. And a dawning had a face of an ape. And you wonder whether or not the Bigfoot might have been offspring of uh, a dawning. So, you believe in dimensions? Yes. I do. Heaven's in a different dimension. The abyss is in the earth, but likely in a different dimension. And I think that's you know why we have quantum computing, so that you can get into these other different dimensions. But if you understand dimensions, then it starts to make sense that it's more likely that the alien mythos are coming from another dimension through portals, as opposed to long distances in, in the universe. Gary, I got to have you back on just to talk about weird things. Yes. Like creatures and stuff. I could do that all day. Just listen to you talk about all these creatures. We have to have you back. You're taking your shot at the Mount Rushmore of 2021. You're in the definitely in the race, brother. I mean, it was I could talk to you all day, every day. So thank you for coming on. So real quick, one more time, Gary, tell them where they can find you. The best way to get a hold of me is through my website at the Genesis6Conspiracy.com. That's Genesis6 with the number 6Conspiracy.com. If it doesn't come up, try a Google search engine, and I'm not promoting Google, but other search engines aren't always bringing the website up. On the website, you'll get a generous excerpt of all 98 chapters, so you'll know whether it's the book for you or not. And you can click over and buy a signed copy from me if it is, or you can get a Kindle version, click over to that, or to barnesandnoble.com or to amazon.com to get a copy from them. And if you wanted to ask me a question, or if you wanted some documents, because I supply lots of documents on topics, just name the topic. He's got the documents. I will just get a hold of me through my website email, contact the author, and I will send you the document at no charge. So if you wanted something on the Tengu that we talked about, you wanted something on, um, let's say, uh, uh, Camazots, or if you wanted, uh, how do we know that the giants were, were, were real? Um, you want to know about, you know, Gilgamesh and his size and how he fits in. I mean, you, you've, Name the topic, get a hold of me. If I've got it, I'll send it to you. If not, I'll give you some information on it and, just on an email. And they can get that through your website, find, uh, contact you through the website. Yes. All right, man. Gary Wayne, you're a bad man. You're a bad man. There goes that bad man. Uh, thank you, Gary, for coming on. Thank you all for checking this out. Uh, dude, this weekend's going to be bangers. We had Gary on today. We have Whitney Webb on Wednesday. It's nothing but heat. It's all, we're all about that smoke, man. We're all about that smoke here on the show. And I hope to see you guys in Newport, in Kansas City, and in Omaha, Nebraska. And again, check out my special hashtag No Lives Matter available on YouTube. You name it, it's there, samtriplee.com. And if you like it, leave a comment. If you don't like it, leave a comment. Let us know. We love you very much. Take care and uh, have a great week, everybody. We go deep. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Tim foil hack. Tim foil hack. Tim foil hack.